Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. We are starting a brand new series today that we're going to be looking at throughout the summer and into the early part of the fall. And we are calling this series Wise Up. Wise Up. Come on, slap somebody next to you and tell them the Wise Up. <laughs> I am so excited about saying that for the next 12 weeks. It's going to be great. Uh, and uh, during this series, we're going to be studying the book of Proverbs, uh, right about the center of your Bible. And we're going to learn how to apply some of its ancient wisdom to our modern day lives. I think it's going to be a powerful series as we go through this book together. And uh, since it is the first week, I want to lay a bit of a foundation before we jump into the proverb I'd like to look at this morning, uh, just so that we can build upon it in the weeks to come. Uh, the majority of the book of Proverbs was written by King Solomon, whom the Bible calls the wisest man to ever live. And, and there's plenty of wise guys that have written books that I'm sure would be worth studying, but there is something significant about the source of Solomon's wisdom that we need to understand as we get into uh, this book. If you go back to the book of 1 Kings chapter 3, we won't do that today, uh, but you read the story of Solomon. He is the son of King David, who was the second king of Israel. And uh, after David passes away, he hands the kingdom over to his son Solomon. And Solomon's a young guy who doesn't have a whole lot of uh, wisdom and, and knowledge about how to lead a nation as large and as vast as Israel. And uh, he's well aware of his insufficiencies. And so one day he goes up to Gibeon, where the altar, uh, the altar of the Lord was located and sacrifices were made. And he makes uh, what the TV preacher would call an ouch offering, a very radical offering. And uh, the Bible says he offers up a thousand burnt offerings to God. And that night, the Lord comes to Solomon in a dream. And he says, I I've noticed your sacrifice. And because you've made such a radical offering to me, I'm giving you an open door here. Ask me for anything you want and I will give it to you. That's a, that's a, that's a good day when God says, whatever you want, I'm gonna give it to you. It's a blank check from God. Um, however, Solomon did not respond uh, in perhaps some of the ways that we would respond. He didn't, he didn't ask for the death of his enemies. Uh, he didn't ask for wealth or for a long life. Uh, he didn't say, God, you know, I, I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. I wish I had a girl who looked good. I would call her. Wish I had a rabbit and a hat with a bat and a six four and Paula. He, I'll sing the whole song. Say I won't right now. You won't, you won't. Uh, <laughs> you're right, I won't. But uh, he, he didn't ask for any of that stuff. Solomon made one request of God and it was for wisdom. He said, Lord, you've entrusted this incredible group of people to me, the Israelites. They're vast community. They're your people. And I, if I'm being honest, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm in over my head here as the king. And so if I could ask you for one thing, I would ask you for the wisdom to lead your people well. Can I tell you that is a regular prayer of mine in my prayer time. God, I'm a dumb dude and I need some help. Will you show me how to lead your people well? Because it's an incredible group of people that you've entrusted to us here at the Father's house. And the Lord said, yeah, you can give it up for yourselves. Go ahead, Joanne. We're incredible, yay! <laughs> uh, and, and, and so Solomon asks for wisdom, and because he asks for wisdom, God says, not only will I give you wisdom, I will give you greater wisdom than anybody on planet Earth has ever had, in addition to some things that you didn't ask for. And that's important to note, the source of this wisdom, because it is divine in nature. This is, this is not some collection of good ideas that someone, you know, oh, I'm going to pen these thoughts down based on my life experience. This is divine wisdom from heaven that has been stored up for us to study. 
In fact, that is how the book introduces itself to its reader. Look at the opening phrase, which is going to be our key text in the weeks to come. Solomon writes this. Uh, These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, what is just, and what is fair. That's the whole purpose of the book of Proverbs. It is to teach us wisdom. Now, generally, in our human construct, when we hear the word wisdom, we tend to think of knowledge alongside of it. We, we kind of mistake those two words as being synonymous, wisdom and knowledge. We got this picture of a you know, white-haired professor sitting in a tufted leather chair among some dusty books in a library. He's got a monocle on one eye and a smoldering pipe in the other as he pontificates his brilliance to all of the plebeians that are listening to him speak. But that's not wisdom. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, biblical wisdom has far less to do with knowledge than we realize. Look look at the biblical definition of the word wisdom. In fact, a biblical scholar corrected me on my pronunciation of this word last service. So we're going to say it correctly at the 11 o'clock service. Uh, In Hebrew, it is the word chokmah. Chokmah. I'd like you to repeat that with me. Ready? One, two, three. Chokmah. Dig deep. Come on, down there in your throat. Come on, find that loogie. Just chokmah. Yeah, okay. She spit on me as she taught me the word last service. It was great. Ma. Okay, good. And here's what the word means. It means to be skillful or to apply knowledge. Notice the the subtle distinction there. To be skillful or to apply knowledge. It isn't just to have knowledge. It's to apply the knowledge. How many know there's a difference between knowing the right thing to do and actually doing the right thing? There's a lot of people that know some stuff, but they aren't doing the stuff that they know. That's why there's that phrase, you know, those that can't do, teach. (laughs) People know, but they're not doing it. But biblical wisdom involves action. It is not passive. It takes what it knows and it actually follows through with it, which is why Solomon goes on to write, and we read it a few moments ago, that the purpose of this book is to teach us to do, not just to think, but to do what is right and just and fair, to live a disciplined and successful life life. And I believe that prophetically that is going to be our inheritance over the next few months as we study this book, that we're going to embrace this word that we hate, discipline. Yeah, no one likes that word. But as we discipline ourselves to learn from the wisdom of these ancient texts and begin to apply them to our lives, I believe that we're going to see what Solomon says here. We're going to learn what it looks like to live right and just and fair, which according to him is the definition of successful Christian living. I think all of us want to live that kind of life, and I believe it's our inheritance as we get into this, uh, this series. Um, one, one small disclaimer before I jump into today's text, and that's this. As we read through the Proverbs, it's important to note that, that Proverbs are a potential, but they are not a promise. What, what I mean by that is there's, there's a lot of good stuff we're going to read in here, a lot of good principles that we're going to read in here, but living a life of proverbial wisdom does not guarantee that bad stuff isn't going to happen in your life. You're still going to encounter some opposition. You're still going to encounter some tension. Uh, it, look no further than Jesus to prove that. Jesus had all of the wisdom of heaven and of earth, and yet he experienced significant opposition. And among all the promises that he made to you, one of them was, you're going to experience some opposition yourself here on planet Earth. Welcome to the team. We can't help the fact that we live in a broken world and bad stuff happens to good people and good stuff happens to bad people. 
But what we will learn as we go to this text is that when we begin to live with wisdom, biblical wisdom, here's, here's what we do have. We have protection from God. We experience a candidacy for his blessing and we protect ourselves from self-imposed destruction. We keep ourselves from digging our own hole, if you will. I would argue that self-destruction is probably the most prominent kind of destruction in your life. We like to blame everybody else. We like to blame the devil. We like to blame, in fact, there's some Proverbs about that that maybe we'll look into later on in the series. But if we're honest, the source of the majority of our problems is that person standing in the mirror. And so we're gonna learn how to apply some wisdom from this text so that we don't destroy our own lives and we stay on the path of wisdom. Does that sound good? All right, so let's get into today's text. And by the way, feel free to jump in, be vocal, preach along with me today. All right, thank you, Karen, appreciate that. The 11 o'clock service was very quiet last week and I was incredibly insecure. You didn't see it up here, but I was incredibly insecure. My pastor used to say it like this. It was the principle of the duck. It looks smooth on top, but you're paddling like crazy underneath. That's what it felt like. So jump in with me today. Let's have some fun. All right, here's the text we're gonna unpack. Proverbs chapter two, verse one. Solomon says, my child, listen to what I say and treasure my commands. Tune your ears to wisdom. Can you say that with me? Tune your ears to wisdom and concentrate on understanding. Cry out for insight and ask for understanding. Search for them as you would for silver. Seek them like hidden treasure. I love the visual that Solomon paints for us here. You're gonna see as we go through these texts, Solomon is the master of visuals. And here's his visual. He says, if you wanna, if you wanna know what wisdom has to say, you need to tune your ear to wisdom. Wisdom has a sound. It has a frequency that we are called to tune into as believers. And so in keeping with his encouragement here, I've titled this chat in my favorite way to title sermons, yes, after yet another song, as you know how I do here. Uh, but this song, and I'm glad my parents are not at church this morning. They're usually here every weekend because this is a bit of a confession moment. Um, I've titled this sermon after a song and a rap group I was not allowed to listen to when I was a kid because they were the devil's music and they talked about the devil's lettuce and all of that stuff. But I listened to it when I was all my friends' houses. So today we're borrowing a title from the 1995 rap group Bone Thugs and Harmony. And we're calling... <laughs> I knew the 11 o'clock service is made up of all the people who got a past. I got a testimony. Okay. We're calling this one, See You at the Crossroads. I see you at the crossroads, crossroads, and I miss my Uncle Charles. Yeah, okay. See you at the crossroads. Uh, let's pray as we jump in. Um, and I'm going to pray the same way every single week as we jump into our teachings. Uh, and here's how I'm going to pray for us today and every subsequent week. Uh, James chapter one says this, if any of you lacks wisdom, you can ask your heavenly father for it and he will not rebuke you for asking. He will give you the wisdom that you're asking for. I wanna pray that our hearts will be open and that it wouldn't just be one guy on a stage, but that collectively as a family, we'd be asking God for some wisdom in these days because we know that if we ask, we will receive, amen? Come on, why don't you put your hand on your heart as we jump in. Holy Spirit, speak to us today. We thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that uh, this is not some, some book of dusty old sayings that have no modern application. But God, it is alive, it's active, and it has the power to transform us. And, and as James commanded us to do, we ask right now for wisdom. 
God, I know that the, the life circumstances represented in this room uh, are all over the map. We, we all need wisdom in some area. And we pray that as we study your word, you would reveal what the scriptures would say about our situation and that we would have the power to walk those things out in our life. We trust you as we submit to these teachings over the next 12 weeks to transform our lives and to develop some new disciplines in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen, amen. So, before the days of Apple, iTunes, and iPods, and Spotify, and different streaming platforms, um, before the days of even something known as a compact disc, which I know some of you are too young to actually even know what that is, uh, but some of us are old enough to remember the days of AM, FM, radio. Yeah, these are my people, okay. And, AM, FM radio was the only way to get music on demand back in the day. You couldn't push a button and listen to whatever song from whatever band you wanted to do. No, if you wanted to listen to a certain song and you were not rich enough to own the tape for that particular artist, you would have to make a phone call into your favorite radio station and put in a request. Anyone old enough to remember putting in a request? Okay, moment of truth. Any of you ever dating a girl or a guy in high school and you made a request on their behalf hoping that they were listening to the same radio? Okay, yeah. <laughs> My people. I was talking to uh, uh, Jess, one of our, uh, our baptism leads uh, last weekend, and we were in the lobby talking about um, how to make a mixtape back in the day. Like if you didn't have enough money to buy the tape, you could make your own mixtape. And you just sit there listening to the radio for your favorite song to come on. And when it came on, you had to like push play and record at the same time on your tape deck. See, okay, yeah, and then you record the song, and, and the hope was that you got your hands off of the tape deck fast enough so that you didn't get the disc jockey at the end of the song, and you're like, no, no, I got the song, That's, I bought that song, making your own, y'all don't even know, some of you are too young to even know what it was like, we had it rough back in the day, all right, AM, FM, radio, and when I say radio, I'm not talking about that button you push on your Tesla as it scans all the digital stations that like come in clear, no, I'm talking about one of these suckers right here, all right, I'm talking about that little radio you had to take out that antenna and like add like eight feet of aluminum foil on the other side of it. This is called a tuner for everyone under the age of 35. And here's how it worked for those of us back in the day if we wanted to listen to some music. You had to turn on the tuner and then very carefully you had to begin to turn a dial. Turn it down. Okay. Yeah, back in the day, that is how we had to listen to music. You had to very carefully and methodically put your ear up to a speaker and begin to turn a dial so that you could hear the faintest whisper of the radio station that you wanted to hear. And, and then when you got there, you had to stay and just subtly turn the dial bit by bit so that you could tune in correctly to that station because if you moved the dial too far in one direction, you'd skip it. And if it wasn't perfect, you'd get a whole bunch of static in there. So, so this was a very careful process. If you did not tune in correctly, you would not hear correctly. Are you hearing what I'm saying this morning? If you didn't tune in precisely, you weren't going to hear what you needed to hear. And although Solomon was born some 3,000 years before the invention of the radio, 
This is what he's talking about in the Proverbs when he says to tune your ear to wisdom. If you go back and look at this original word in the Hebrew, it literally means to incline one's ear towards or to give careful attention to. It's a picture of a pimply-faced teenager just leaning down towards the radio and carefully, surgically, precisely making sure that the station is tuned in to what they want to hear. And the reason Solomon said that it requires such precision and such care to tune in to the voice of wisdom is because like a radio, there's a lot of other frequencies out there competing for your ear. There's a lot of other sounds. There's a lot of other static, a lot of other stations vying for your attention, trying to get you to stop the dial so you can listen to them. Look at what he goes on to say later on in the book in speaking about the voice of wisdom. He says this in uh, chapter eight, verse one. He says, listen as wisdom calls out. Here is understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroads by the gates at the entrance to the town. On the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, to all of you. I raise my voice to all people. Again, Solomon is the master of visuals here. Like, let's, let's unpack this a little bit. He, he begins to personify wisdom as a woman. Yeah, that's right. All the ladies are like, hey. All the guys are like, what the heck? Yeah, it's the Bible. I'm sorry, I don't know what to tell you. And he says that this woman called wisdom, she calls out, and he, he intentionally says, she calls out to all people. All people regardless of their faith background, regardless of their maturity, not just the elite, not just the educated, but wisdom is an equal opportunist. She makes her call to all asking, will you walk in my direction? And notice where she's calling out from. He says she's standing on the hilltops calling out at the crossroads, at the crossroads, an interesting location for wisdom to call out. But before we unpack that, and before we get too excited about your girl wisdom, take a look at whom else Solomon says is waiting atop that hill, Proverbs 9. He says in the next chapter, the woman named folly, foolishness, and stupidity is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway, where? On the hilltop, overlooking the city, and she too calls out to the men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. So for all you who are pumped about Lady Wisdom, turns out your girl Folly Parton is over there as well, all right? <laughs> A.K.A. stupidity and foolishness. He says there are two voices calling out to everybody. This is, this is such a powerful visual. I, I want us all to see this because this is so relevant. It's so, it's so significant, and, and, and we've all been in this space before. He says when you find yourself at a crossroads, you know what the crossroads are, right? It's that point of decision. It's that moment in your life where you have to decide, am I going to go this way or am I going to go that way? Am I going to pursue this relationship or am I going to pursue this direction for my life? Am I going to take that job? Am I not going to take that job? Am I going to choose foolishly or am I going to choose why? It's, we, we're at a crossroads constantly in life. And he said at every crossroads, there are two competing voices trying to get you to listen in. Like radio frequencies trying to make their way through your stereo there's the voice of wisdom and there's the voice of stupidity. And both of them are saying, come over here and walk with me. It's like that old cartoon with the angel and the demon, one on each shoulder. And 
They're both trying to tell you what to do and there's confusion and there's chaos. They're like, I don't know which decision to make. He said, at every crossroads, this is a reality we all need to be aware of. But then he takes it a step further and he says, hey, also take note, when you're there at the crossroads, one of these voices is actually yelling a lot louder than the other one. What did he say? He said, folly, she's brash. She's loud. She's obnoxious. She's ostentatious. She don't shut up. Wisdom is calling, but folly is screaming at you. How many know that it feels sometimes like the frequency of sin can come in loud and clear, but it feels like the voice of God is nearly impossible to hear? That that rhymed. That could have been a song right there. How many would attest that, yeah, it feels like sometimes in my life, man, the, the, the path of sin is just screaming at me, come over here. Let me say it like this. I've noticed in my life that wisdom often sounds like a whisper. He said that wisdom calls out, but I feel like sometimes in comparison to folly's volume, wisdom whispers. Yeah, I think we all have felt that before. Like, let me give you a few examples. You're at a crossroads. And it's a, it's a moment of decision where a school is presenting an opportunity to you, where a job is presenting an opportunity to you, or a path is opening up, and it looks good, but for, for whatever reason, it just it doesn't settle well in your stomach. You're like, ah, it just doesn't feel right. And in the middle of that, wisdom is whispering, hey, don't go down that road. I know it looks like a good opportunity, but that's not me. I have something better for you if you just wait. Just, just wait. But, but then folly. Hey, it's a great opportunity. You may never get this shot again. You only get one shot. Don't miss your chance. You better take this. And it's like you can't even hear wisdom over the volume of what looks like a good opportunity. Or you're at that crossroads of a relationship and things are starting to move further and faster and you're wondering, am I gonna, am I gonna get engaged? Am I gonna get married? Do I step over that line and truly commit to this thing? But you know that that person is not equally yoked with you. They don't love Jesus. They don't share the same convictions you have. And wisdom begins to whisper, hey, you might want to put the brakes on. I know that you're attracted and I know that it's, it's fun and it's enjoyable, but just play the movie forward a little bit. What happens when you guys have a different conviction about something? What happens if you get married and you have kids? How are you going to raise those children? You're going to raise them according to your convictions or their convictions? Son, daughter, I have something so much better for you. Just lay that thing down. But then folly is screaming, she's hot. None of them have been this hot. He makes tons of money. And you're like, my mind's telling me no, but my body, my body's telling me yeah. God, my 90s game is on point today, y'all, all right? Mr. Love, I love, okay. <laughs> You've been to that crossroads? Or, or, or maybe you're at that crossroads, and I was just talking to somebody last service about this, where you hear it all the time at the Father's house. We talk about it every single week, giving and generosity and how it's a big part of our expression as people of faith. And, 
And maybe you're standing at that crossroads and you're like, okay, I'm finally ready to step over that line and trust Jesus with the first tenth of my income or trust him in generosity. And, and the Holy Spirit is whispering, hey, I got you. I'm going to provide for you. You think that you're good at providing for yourself? Just wait as you allow me to get involved when you live with an obedience in your finances. And I promise, put me to the test in this. I will, I will provide for every one of your needs. But then fear is screaming at you. You can't even pay your bills right now. You don't even have enough as it is. You can't afford to do that. Or consumerism and greed. You worked for that. You, you, don't, you don't owe nobody nothing. You build your own kingdom. You build your own resources. The crossroads of identity. Am I going to listen to what the Holy Spirit is whispering to me about who I am? Or am I going to fall prey to a very loud culture telling me who I am? Or you're at a crossroads of, of divorce. Just wisdom whispering, hey, I know it looks bad, but I can fix this. I promise I can put this marriage back together. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Apologize. Love like I love. But folly is yelling. These are irreconcilable differences. They will never change. They've always been this way. And you got a choice. You are at a crossroads. I think life is a collection of crossroads. It, it, it is one decision after another where we have to determine, are we going to choose wisdom or are we going to choose folly? And I think if we're honest, most of us in the room could say, I have made some wrong decisions. I have been tuned in to the voice of folly a few times and I've followed her down a road of destruction. We've all been there. Can I tell you, that is, is one of my least favorite parts of my job. That's the part about being a pastor I hate the most, watching people walk down a path of self-destruction. It, it just messes me up, man. People that I love, people that I still pray for every single day, that I've just watched ignore the counsel of wisdom, ignore the voice of the Holy Spirit, ignore the voice of people who love them and pray for them, and just fall hook, line, and sinker for that frequency of folly. I hate it when I see people go down a road because they got offended. Just like, they, they hurt me, they offended me. Uh, and Folly's calling out, yeah, they did. Yeah, you come down this road with people who are gonna walk with you in offense. Or, or entitlement. They didn't recognize your gift. They, ne they never saw how gifted you were and how much you could, you need to go somewhere else where you're acknowledged. Or here's a popular one right now, disagreement. We don't see the same way. I don't like the way you said that. I don't like what you stand for. And, and so if we disagree, then we must divide, even though you can't find that nowhere in the Bible. But, but no, I'm canceled. I'm leaving. Or how about this one? The, the folly of sin and shame and guilt where someone doesn't even feel worthy to walk down the other path because the enemy is just heaping it on them and they buy into that narrative. My least favorite, the distracted path. Man, I see this one all the time. People making progress in God, they're getting hungry for the things of Jesus, they're in the house, they're serving, and then the enemy just throws in a little distraction. Hey, how about this relationship? How about this job opportunity that's gonna force you to be out of the house of God and out of community where you're just working 80 hours a week? Oh, but it's first season. I'm building my career. Yeah, while well, your spirit is suffering in the process. Man, I hate that. 
I hate that I can point to chairs in this room that used to be occupied by people who lifted their hands in worship and loved Jesus, but because they were tuned into the wrong frequency, they ended up going down a destructive path. And maybe you're there today. Maybe you would say, hey, Tim, I'm tiptoeing down that that road and I, I feel it. Maybe there's some areas of your life where you've listened to the wrong voice. Can I just offer you some, some decent news this morning, some good news this morning? Doesn't matter how far you are down that path, wisdom is still calling out. She still lifts her voice over you today. Come on, you may not have realized it, but you walked into the room this morning and you find yourself at another crossroads where Jesus said, I brought you here today so that you can make a decision to choose a different way. But that doesn't happen by osmosis. It's just not automatic. It takes some intentionality. Back to the word he used. We must intentionally tune our ear to wisdom. So what I'd like to do in our last couple of moments together, I want to show us how we as believers can tune our ear to wisdom. How do we tune to wisdom? I think it is both practical and spiritual. Practical and spiritual. Let me start on the practical side of things. Uh, Solomon said this at the conclusion of the text we read just a bit ago. He said in Proverbs 2, 4, search for wisdom as you would for silver. Seek it like hidden treasure. Search, seek, search, seek. I've never searched or sought out hidden treasure. I've never done that before. But I would imagine if I had a general idea of a treasure's location, that I would work pretty hard to unearth the treasure. Someone handed me one of those old maps with a big red X on it, and they're like, hey, if you just search here, you're gonna find what you're looking for. I would probably give all of my passion and attention every single day until I dug up that treasure. Well, the beauty of the Proverbs is that Solomon starts off by telling us we don't have to search that hard to find wisdom. It's not like something we have to dig and and figure out and uh, kind of work our way to. No, he says it's right here. Wisdom is found right here in the word of God. In fact, more specifically, he says, wisdom is found in this book called Proverbs. It's right here. And if you want to find it, all you got to do is look for it at the source. Hey, let let me take 30 seconds and preach to you about the Bible. (laughs) I'll probably die making this statement. I've made it so many times before, but I'm going to make it yet again this morning. I believe that one of the greatest contributors to Christian failure is biblical illiteracy. People do not know the word of God. And because they don't know the word of God, they can't apply the word of God to their lives. I don't know why everything's falling apart. Hey, have you opened up your Bible lately? No. (laughs) Everything you need for life and godliness is found in this word. In fact, this is a weapon to the believer. It is something that we can deploy in the face of temptation. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, it says, this is the sword of the spirit. You can wield this thing in the face of temptation. You can wield this in the middle of decision you need to make. Jesus actually used the same word when he was tempted in the desert. What does it say? When the enemy tempted him, he said, it is written. He knew the word of God and he used it to fight that battle. It's the same thing he's going to use, by the way, when he comes back in Revelation 19, eyes of fire, robe dipped in blood, riding on a white horse with a sword coming out of his mouth as he comes back for his bride to once and for all destroy his enemy with what? The word of God, the sword coming out of his mouth. We have access to the greatest weapon in all of mankind. And listen to me, if you're going to shut the folly up, hey, You're going to need this. You're going to need to know what the word of God has to say. 
So, so let me make this very simple and practical. I invite you, starting the 1st of July, unless you want to start today, you're welcome to, to open up this book every single day and read the Proverbs. I'm going to start by inviting you through this series, but I invite you to do it for the rest of your life. There's 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Most months have 30 or 31 days. It's not hard to do the math. You open up the Bible in the morning and go, what day is it? It's the ninth. I'm going to go ahead and read the ninth one. Just every single day, read the Proverbs. I have made this a practice in my life for the last 20 years, and I cannot tell you the number of times that I've found myself in a situation, whether it's a temptation or a decision that I have to make, and because I know the Word of God in the Proverbs, it seems like the day I read it, the application is sitting right in front of me. He is faithful. This is my motto. I'll let you borrow my motto. A proverb a day keeps the stupid away. Come on, you can have that, all right? How many want to get rid of the stupid in your life? Okay, yeah. Proverb a day keeps the stupid away. Do I have time for a story? It's the the 11 o'clock service. We can sit here until 5 p.m. tonight. It's going to be great. Okay, I told this last service and I wasn't sure if I was going to. I apologize in advance if this offends anybody, but uh, it's a transparent moment. I'm just a human. Welcome to the team, Okay. So uh, years ago, I was preaching a sermon at our old church, and um, the next day, uh, a buddy of mine went to the gym in the morning to work out, and it just happened to be uh, the fifth of the month. And so on the fifth, I read Proverbs chapter five, and Proverbs chapter five is an instruction on wisdom as it pertains to sexual purity for men. And so I I walk into the gym, and uh, my buddy and I are working out, and this girl comes running over who is barely clothed. I mean, The gym is already bad enough, but she was like pushing the gym dress code for sure. And she apparently had just recently started attending the church. And so she comes running over to me and she's like, hey, Pastor Dan. She's like, that was such a good sermon yesterday. And I'm like, Jesus. And as God is my witness, as my friend Laura says, hand on heart. Where are you at, Laura? Hand on heart. There you go. As God is my witness, this is the first thing that came into my mind. Proverbs chapter five. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Let her breasts satisfy you at all times. I'm like, I don't need these. I got my own set at home. Hallelujah. Okay. This is not your grandma's Catholic church no more. Okay. Read the word of God. Get a proverb in your spirit. Deploy it when you need it. I promise. God's faithful. God is faithful. He knows what you need to hear, when you need to hear it, and he will equip you with his word to overcome that situation. So it is very practical. Get in the word. But it is also very spiritual. And here's where we're going to land today. Uh, let, me, let me say it like this. Wisdom is not just practical, but wisdom is also a spirit. There is such a thing as the spirit of wisdom. And you may not realize it, but most of you already got it. Uh, Look at what Jesus says in our final text together. And uh, the band, you guys can come as we conclude. Um, You might recognize this from a series we did last fall. But Jesus says this in John 14. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. The world can't receive him because it isn't looking for him. and It doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and will later be in you. But when the Father sends the helper, that is the Spirit, he will teach you everything I have told you. Peace I leave with you, and the peace I give is a gift that the world cannot offer. 
Tune in these last couple seconds here. If you are a follower of Jesus this morning, the Bible says that you have been indwelt by the Holy Spirit. For the Pentecostals in the room, you got the Holy Ghost, okay? And the ghost has some job descriptions, some job descriptions. Scripture tells us that he is the advocate. He's the helper. He's the comforter that comes alongside of you when you need comfort. He equips you to do the things that God has called you to do. He empowers you. But, but one of the main job descriptions of the Holy Spirit is to lead you and guide you, to make sure you stay on the right path. The prophet Isaiah says it like this. He is like a voice that calls out in the wilderness. This is the way you should go. Now walk in it. Or, or to borrow what Solomon said in the Proverbs, she is like the voice from the hilltops at the crossroads saying, this is the way to go, walk in it. That is the spirit of wisdom. But the way she leads is very intentional. According to Jesus here, the Holy Spirit leads us with peace. There's a, a settling in our spirits when we're walking down the right path. Which means if you're trying to determine whether or not a decision is the right one or the wrong one, if you are heading down the wrong path or the right path, you can simply ask yourself this question. If you're a person of the Spirit, do I have peace? Do I have peace about this? Not is it a good opportunity, not does it pencil out, but when I close my eyes and I sit with it by myself, do I truly have peace about this? And by the way, peace does not mean that it isn't scary or that it isn't risky or, or, or that it all, it all doesn't pencil out. That, that's not what peace means. In fact, by definition in the Hebrew, the word is shalom and it means supernatural peace. It's peace that you can have in the midst of a scary and risky situation that doesn't make any sense and doesn't pencil out. It's that kind of peace. Because listen, you, you can do what looks good. You, 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 can, you can take the opportunity. You can go down the path of comfort. You can go down the path of, of, of it all pencils out, but still have no peace. In fact, there might be someone here today who if you were to just write your life out on paper, it should look like you have all the peace in the world. I got the right job, I got the family, I got the house, I got the car. Like everything I have should equate to peace, but I still feel unsettled in my spirit. Just because you've done things that look good doesn't mean that they are God. But you can do what's risky. You can do what's a little scary. You can do what doesn't pencil out and have more peace than you do when you take the good opportunity that the world is offering you. That's the spirit of wisdom. I, I, I believe if we will commit ourselves to these two things, if we will practically go to the word and if we will spiritually yield to the spirit and follow the peace, I think that the Father's house will be made up of some people that are not going down folly's path, but are walking in the path of wisdom and righteousness and doing what God's called them to do in their city. And that's how I wanna pray for us as we conclude this first installment. Why don't you bow your heads and let me pray over our community as we close today. Jesus, we thank you for your spirit. We thank you that you didn't leave us to figure out how to follow you on our own, but that you gave us the helper. You gave us the guide. And even as I'm praying this right now, I just, I wanna specifically pray for some people that maybe you know you're saved, you made that decision to follow Christ, but you feel like 
you've been a little distant from him lately. And when you think about wisdom being a whisper, in order to hear a whisper, you have to be close, to be near. Maybe the things like prayer and reading the word or staying close to Jesus have just kind of become a priority further on down the list in your life for the last season. I just sense there's an invitation right now from the Holy Spirit to come close again. Just, just lean back in. He's not counting the days that it's been since you read or prayed. He's just, today is a fresh opportunity. His mercies are new for you. Just come close. But, but before we close, I do want to pray for a very specific group of people. And that would be those who would say, Tim, I don't know if I have that guide. I don't know if I have the Holy Spirit. You said that everyone who's made this decision to follow Jesus has a, an internal navigator. Man, I, I, don't, I don't feel like I got that, I've got that at all. I don't know that I'm in relationship with Christ. If that's you, I want to fix that before you get out of here. And let me just acknowledge something that might be happening in your spirit right now. Because you too are at a crossroads right now. There is one voice telling you, stay where you're at. Don't make this decision. It's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to ruin your life. It's going to take all the stuff away from you. Don't, don't, just walk out the door, eat the donut hole, and go home. But the Spirit is whispering, hey, son, daughter, this is your day. I'm inviting you. Come close. Follow me. And you know who you are if the Spirit is speaking to you. If that's you this morning, I want to pray a simple prayer of commitment with you. And as I pray that, um, I'd just love to see who I'm praying with today so that we can pray this prayer together. If that's you, would you just quickly lift up your hand and look at me and say, Tim, I I need to get things right with God. Right on, bro. Got you. Yeah. Yeah, got you right there, sweetheart. Awesome. Yeah, right there, bro. Awesome. Oh, yeah, right over here. Cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on, man. All right. I'm going to pray. You can simply pray this under your breath or you can pray it in your heart, however you prefer. Just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I thank you that you've forgiven me for my sin and that you fill me with your spirit. Today, as I commit my life to you, I pray that you would guide my steps, help me to follow you and to be your disciple. From this point forward until that day where I enter into eternity, you look me in the eye and say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy that's been set before you. I love you and I give you all of me today and I receive all of you in return. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's thank God for every one of those. Awesome. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, We want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.